The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, on this beautiful Saturday, November 28, 2020. Gosh, the the month is, is, is almost over, just a few more days. We're into December, and that'll be the end of the year, my friends. And what a year it has been. I don't know about you, but in moments I've been, I've felt like I am on the Titanic or watching the Titanic sink. You know, I don't know if necessarily I can say that I have suffered uh, being on the Titanic, but man, uh, it has not been fun watching people suffer. It really hasn't. Uh, So, uh, welcome to the show, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I certainly hope that uh, you will call your friends and tell them that... um, to join us because we've got a great program today for you, my friends. We've got a really, really great program. Um, let me tell you about our guests, and uh, then I'll launch into my my uh, my comments. Uh, first of all, we've got um, we've got uh, Mr. Uh, Eliasar Cisneros. Now, Eliasar, my friends, Eliasar Cisneros. I want you to know is a um, is a, a, has become a very, very noteworthy gentleman because. He is the one that was driving the truck, the black truck, the black Trump flag flying truck that was uh, in the incident with the white SUV vehicle that was uh, supposedly protecting the Biden bus a few weeks ago. As everybody remembers, there was a situation where uh, the allegation by the national media uh, was that... um, a, a Trump truck, uh, a Trump vehicle, not to mention Trump uh, supporters, had harassed the uh, bump, the uh, Biden bus as it traveled up uh, Interstate 35 here in San Antonio from uh, or Texas rather from San Antonio to Austin. Uh, the there is a video that was uh, that was taken, and the video clearly shows, my friends, clearly shows. The uh, SUV and the bus driving on in the middle of two lanes, taking up two lanes of the freeway, and uh, it also clearly shows the uh, the SUV, the Biden white SUV, uh, colliding with the uh, w- with the black truck, the black truck which was uh, driven by Eliasar uh, Eliasar Cisneros. So uh, since that whole incident, my friends, things have got the world has gone topsy-turvy for uh, Eliasar. I mean, it it is really tragic. Uh, He's had to go into hiding. He's had to go into hiding because of threats. Now, this is similar to the young lady who uh, filmed the whole situation. Uh, She was on on our show um, uh, last week, and uh, she has had to go under under, uh, ground as well because uh, people didn't like what she filmed. People took issue with what she fi- filmed. Uh, you know, this is this is scary, my friends. When reality is 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 so attacked, so hated by the left that reality is rejected. I mean, understand that, my friends. Understand. Here, the left and the liberal media are attacking. Uh, a a, uh, a person for filming what actually happened, and then they are attacking the victim of what happened, all because it does not fit their agenda. This is this is Orwellian. This is dangerous, my friends. This is dangerous because when you've got people that are so psychotic that reality does not mean anything to you, uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous situation that that, that we have reached. I mean, this is this is the, the this is beyond fanaticism. This is beyond fanaticism. Uh, th- these are the people who will commit crimes in the name of society. These are people who will commit crimes in the name of the greater good. 
it, it, it's, it's, it's frightening, my friends. So uh, Eliasar is going to be our first guest. Our second guest is uh, my good friend Todd Benzman. And Todd, of course, is with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd's going to be talking to us about a, uh, a, a vetting process uh, which is uh, probably going to go by the wayside should the uh, admi- should the uh, Biden administration take over. This has to do with uh, the travel ban, uh, which erroneously has been called the Muslim travel ban because it's not. I mean, there's it's a travel ban on um, 13 countries, I believe, and five of them are Muslim. And the reason that the travel ban exists is because there's no proper way to vet people coming from those countries and we need to know because those countries are uh, hotbeds of, uh, of terrorism and uh, th- we, we need to be careful who comes into this country. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense that we need to know who comes into our home? Uh, you know, I, I really don't understand. I don't understand uh, the thinking of liberals and Democrats uh, and leftists well, the leftists I do because all they want to do is destroy the country. But the thinking of liberals, um, you know, who who take issue with us vetting people that come in, with us being selective on who comes into our country, either to uh, either to visit or to study uh, or to work or uh, to move here permanently. I mean, as refugees or as permanent immigrants, you know, why? Why? What's wrong? With checking this, uh, checking people out, what's wrong with with uh, with figuring out who these folks are? With uh, with understanding uh, if if these people are are legitimate, are they terrorists? Are they? Uh, I mean, do they bring do they bring something positive to uh, to the United States? Uh, are they here to actually uh, do what they claim they're going to do? That they're going to do shopping? That they're going to be working? Uh, you know, my friends, the vetting process for people to enter the United States is critical. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that is one thing that the that 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 the, the Democrats, the liberals refuse to do because they want uh, a humanitarian, a more humanitarian process, which means that, you know, just come on in and we'll talk about it. <laughs> They go, come on in. Never mind that you might be a serial killer. Never mind that you might be a uh, murderer. May, never mind that you may be carrying some some nasty disease. Come on in, and then we'll talk about it. I, 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 it's beyond me. So um, so Todd's going to be chatting with us about that. Todd Benzman from uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. Our our, our last segment is a very very um, uh, fun segment. Uh, I went out uh, on. Um, uh, I went on, out on Sunday the 21st to the, uh, to the Trump rally here in San Antonio, the latest Trump rally here in San Antonio, and I interviewed a bunch of folks about Thanksgiving, okay? I mean, my friends, l- l- let's think about it in these terms, okay? Let's think about it in these terms. In a time when there has been so much stress and there continues to get to, the times continue to be stressful, we need to concentrate on the positive we need to move ahead and we need you know we always i always uh, my favorite saying uh from from you know uh, when i was growing up i used to hear people tell me you've got to uh pray and hope for for the best but expect the worst okay you expect the worst but you hope and pray for the best because what it amounts to my friends is that you can't you can't get depressed and you can't get hopeless. So I went out and I did a bunch of interviews to uh, of folks to ask them what Thanksgiving is, or what Thanksgiving I mean what what they have to be thankful for at this time, in this time of stress. And it was very very interesting to hear their responses. I hope you'll you'll stick around and listen to that. I mean it's very very interesting, uh, and you know uh, conservatives, my friends, particularly God fearing conservatives have a very positive view on life. And uh, it, it, is, uh, it is something that is very, very unique to us. As You know, the leftists, if you ever want to meet, meet bitter, angry people, talk to a leftist. Bitter, angry people. You know, I, uh, I've read a lot about the biography of, um, 
of uh, Lenin and Stalin and Karl Marx. And these people were were bitter, bitter, angry people. Adolf Hitler, oh, absolutely uh, manic, depressants. I mean, they were bitter, angry people. Um, on the other hand, you know, uh, you read about George Washington, read about Samuel Adams, read about uh, uh, John Adams, my hero. I mean, these guys, these guys were optimistic. These guys looked on the bright side and they suffered. They suffered tremendously. And uh, they still they still looked on the bright side. They reached for the stars. And not only did they reach for the stars, they had faith. And, uh, you know, my friends, it, it's very, very important at this time of year. You know, this is my thought to you today. It's very important at this time of the year that we concentrate on our blessings, that we concentrate on the positive things that are happening in our lives, that have happened in our lives. For example, I'm sitting here, a uh, what many would call an elderly gentleman, <laughs> because I'm 70 years old. Yes, I am. I'm 70 years old. I can't believe that. Anyway, and my friends, I you know I I uh, I have a history of asthma, I have diabetes, but somehow, somehow, I have been blessed with great a great amount of health i haven't had any problems with covid i uh, and if i did i don't i didn't know it uh i haven't had any problems with major major diseases major illnesses uh my life my friends has been so blessed with with my health then there's the issue of the temporal of the temporal uh blessings that i've got I have a home. I have a roof over my head. I have enough to eat. Uh, I can share it with folks. Uh, I, you know, on, on the temporal side, my gosh, I've been blessed tremendously. I've got this beautiful, beautiful uh, red Mustang that uh, I love to drive around on Sundays. Uh, I feel like I'm 30 years old, younger. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I mean, these things that may seem like toys that may seem like uh uh nothing more than than baubles uh they reflect blessings that's how i view it they reflect they're not just toys they are, they reflect blessings they reflect a, a a good life that has uh been given to me and uh that uh i live then of course there are my family and my friends. Oh my, my! I cannot say enough good things about all my my dear friends, my uh, my family members. Of course, uh, I had a death in the family this year. Uh, my elderly my elderly brother that uh, was living with me passed away, and um, uh, it it uh, you know and here in San Antonio it's left me as the only the only sibling of the Rodriguez the only immediate sibling of the Rodriguez family left. And, uh, you know, I, I, if I, if I think of it in negative terms, I get sad, but I think of it in positive terms because I am here because of what my family, my family sacrificed, including my, my older brothers and sisters, what they sacrificed for when I was little and growing up. My friends, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so many things that we can look at the positive. Yes, yes, we've got, we've got a terrible sit political situation. We've got a terrible social, uh, economic situation that could, you know, that that could get worse. Uh, we've got this pandemic that's shutting us down. But my friends, on the other hand, look at the positive things that we've got. We live in America. We still have the Constitution. We are alive and well. My friends, I am so thankful for so many things. I am thankful that I have this show. I am thankful that you listen to it. <laughs> I am thankful that you support it. Let's uh, go on to our first um, guest, Mr. Eliasar Cisneros. Once again, thank you for joining us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer.
I've got a special guest today because I wanted to uh, chat with this gentleman, Mr. Eliasar Cisneros, who is uh, the person who has become very, very famous in the video uh, regarding the Trump, the uh, a Biden uh, bus here in Texas, uh, where there was a collision with a Biden supporter. Uh, the view. MSNBC. I mean, everybody has run with the with the uh, video, but this is the driver of the uh, Eliasar was the driver of the truck that got hit by the white SUV, the Biden white SUV. Now, I wanted to, I, I want him to talk to us and tell us what happened that fateful day, and then what has happened since then. So, Eliasar. Welcome to the show. Now, uh, in, in disclosure, we are at a restaurant, so you may hear a little bit of background noise. But, um, uh, Eliasar, tell us what happened uh, with the collision. What was what, what actually happened, and what has happened since that time? Well, what what happened is is when the collision happened, I wasn't exactly sure what city we were in. It was we were just following following the bus, exercising our First Amendment rights. Um, we're down here in Texas. We don't we don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in late term. We believe in our police and and their platform on what they're running on. We don't have any room for that in Texas. And the intention of myself and and the rest of the people that we're following is to let them know since that was the only thing we did. There's a lot. Of- you know, you know what, in 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 full disclosure of the thing, we know that a lot of folks get upset, get triggered because they see a Trump hat uh, or they see anything Trump and so they get very, very upset. Uh, in looking at the video, we can watch the guy, the, the vehicle, the Biden vehicle is swerving, uh, including the bus. They're swerving. They're occupying two two lanes. Yeah, they were, they were occupying two lanes uh, for miles upon miles. Any Anybody that tried to to pass them either on the right side or in the middle, even though they were occupying both lanes, the driver of the SUV would swerve at you. Keep it scary for, for a lot of people. Uh, we started out with about 100, 120 vehicles. We even early because we were all going to go to Austin and protest them. But they were like, no, these people are crazy. They are swerving. And if you got past the car, then the bus would then swerve at you. And there's lots of videos of that, and people just left. They were like, no, from a, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. That like, no, it was just too scary for us. But us, as the aggressors, when that was not the case, all we were doing was... Uh, now, now, tell us about the actual uh, incident, the hit. How did that happen? Okay, so as the... I was on the right side, on the right lane, on the uh, driver of the SUV, after driving 5, 10 miles, I'm not exactly sure, occupying both lanes, the bus had scooted over to the middle lane. When the bus did that, so did the SUV. That is when I progressed forward on in the right lane. As I was coming up, the bus then cut me off, like I'm not going anywhere. Well, SUV tried to maintain position directly behind the bus. Well, when I came up, he didn't. Have, there was no room for him to come in, so he just started. I couldn't go anymore. There was no. I had no room. And I asked any of those that look at the video, look, watch it again, and look how far I had to push this guy after he made contact with me. Look how far I had to push him back into a lane. Now, again, folks, uh, you look at the video, and you can clearly see that the white SUV, the Biden white SUV supporter, and the bus are occupying two lanes consistently as they're driving along. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So after he made contact with me, uh, he hit my truck, and and I just I couldn't go anymore. It was it was a fight or flight, mm-hmm. or, and and I was like, I'm not. That's not in me. I'm fighting. Not really fighting, but, you know, that, that's just the response I get, you know. That's when I pushed him back into his lane. Couldn't go anywhere anymore. It was like I was done. Mm-hmm. Over, he shot back up to the front of the bus, I guess to let the bus know that he lost position. And slowed down, and he looked at me. He was cursing at me, flicking me off. And I told him, you know, pull over. In other words, as well, mm-hmm. you know, pull that, you know. He just kept flick, flicking me off, flicking me I don't know what else he was saying. He was in his car with his mask on, so what he was saying, I don't know. But yeah, just flicking me off and flicking me off, and I told him. Now, uh, since then, or after that happened, 
Did, was there a police report, and what has happened since that time? So the police report, when, when we when we got to Austin, um, the bus was there, so was the driver of the vehicle. Austin PD was there as well. Um, the Biden-Harris tour bus people asked the cops to, to tell us to stay on the sidewalk, in which we, there's no problem. Um, we explained to the police department what had happened in the incident, and they said they couldn't do anything because it happened outside Austin jurisdiction, jurisdiction rather, which was totally understandable. The, the thing was, is I didn't know exactly where it happened. I didn't know where, so we had to, um, we had to find out where. So somebody sent me the video. Hey, somebody actually posted my a picture of my right. truck, asking you know if they knew who I was, and she got in touch with me, sent me the video. This morning happens. And um, we're looking at the video, trying to find la landmarks. Okay, where, where did it happen? Where did it happen? Finally find out it happened at right after exit 210 on 35 North. So that is, um, that's when we called up San Marcos PD. Uh, spoke with the officer there. Officer, we, took, we talked for about 15, 20 minutes. Um, the person who, who sent me the video, we uh, conference, conferenced her in, in the call. She sent the link to the cops. Um, uh, they said, okay, well, since it happened right here, you need to call Kyle Police Department, our jurisdiction. We're like, okay. Called up Kyle Police Department, stayed on the phone with them for about 20, 30 minutes. Um, then they, in turn, said, no, this happened before the bridge. You have to call up, it's San Marcos, then call San Marcos PD. This, to a different officer, a female, younger female, she said she could not help me because this report should have been made yesterday. And I was like, you know, he, we made... She was like, sorry, pretty much just what happened. She goes, call your insurance. Called up my insurance, stayed on the phone with them for about an hour and a half, letting them know, um, videos, everything we could do. Uh, hung up with her. It just so happened that Kyle Police Department called me back about 10 minutes later. What they gave me, um, what the officer gave me was an information report. He made it real clear, this is not a police report. It's in that uh, they said they couldn't help me at all. And he stayed quiet for about a good five seconds and... And he need to take this higher. He goes, we all see here, and you were not. You need to go higher than that. And I was like, okay. Um, I decided to wait till Monday to for all you know the you know whoever need really needed to be there. So I called up Monday and um, talked to Sergeant. I have his name written down. Anyway, I, don't, I wouldn't say his name anyway. Um, he told me to no. He actually said, thank you for calling. But all reports now being given to the FBI, he has nothing on it. And, and I was like, okay, so that's, that's um started receiving. That was Monday morning. I started receiving death threats early Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It, it just it, it now happened. you're the second person that I know connected with this situation that has received death threats. The young lady who took the video also was receiving death threats, which I do not understand how that happens if all you are doing is recording a, an incident. A, I think that's the way of the left now. It's intimidation. Um, regardless of who was in the right or the wrong, they will always point the blame at conservatives and make us look bad. How much intimidation do you are, are you feeling at this point? I had to leave. I had to leave the state. I had no. to leave the state. I'm at, an I'm at a place right now. My truck is hidden. Um... I'm, I'm very low-key right now. I'm very low-key. I had to borrow a vehicle to come out here. I, I just feel like they're, you know, they really want, want me dead. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I did nothing now, wrong. Now, the FBI has requested to meet with you, correct? Um, yes. What, what happened and how that came about was about a week after, a week and a half after when I was in, in the state that I was in, I ended up calling the FBI. I made the phone call. Uh, spoke with a special agent there and um, who I was and so forth. He said he was not the agent in charge. He gave all the information to the agent in charge and about two, three hours later he called me. I introduced myself um, and he, he had asked me, he was like, were you the driver of the bus? And I was like, no. <laughs> and, and I was like, no. Were you the car? And I was like, no. And I was like, I was the, I was the driver of the truck. The guy, and he was like, oh tone changed a little bit um, and I, I told him I'm just here to assist y'all in your investigation provide you any information that I possibly can you know if there's anything I can do on my part I would like to I would help y'all yeah. uh, we've 
only got about a minute to go. Uh, what? I mean, we, we need to follow up. We need to continue following this story. What do you think uh, you've learned from this, and what, what do you think you can tell the people about this situation? Oh, my gosh, what have I learned? I learned... <laughs> I learned what the media will do to somebody if you are not on their side and how easily our country and our people are manipulated by a false narrative, a narrative that they want everybody else to believe and the destruction of somebody's life, an American patriot, one who has served this country and continues to, nothing is important to them. What is important to these people is that if you cross them, we will they will destroy you regardless of how right you were. doesn't matter. That's amazing. We've been talking with uh, Mr. Eliazar Cisneros uh, regarding the incident uh, that he was, uh, well, actually, he was the victim of this uh, Biden bus rage. Uh, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, our good buddy, uh, Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, I wanted to get Todd on here. Uh, Todd's a regular guest with us because he's he's so prolific at writing. And he's written a, re- a, a, a uh, an article. His most recent article is about the... Uh, uh, COVID pandemic and what is going on in the, uh, at the uh, at, at the uh, border, but now that the we are about to, I, I, I hate to say it, but it looks like we're going to do a transition to a new administration. I want to ask him what uh, what he sees regarding the travel bans that have been in place and um, the protections that we've had regarding. Uh, uh, terrorists sneaking in. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being taking time. Tell us about your new, your latest article, please. Sure. Well, ending the Trump travel ban, it's popularly known uh, inaccurately as the Muslim travel ban, uh, just published with Steve Emerson's investigative project on terrorism. And uh, what, what the piece does is it sort of explores the alternative viewpoint of the implications of removing that ban because uh, Biden has promised on day one to repeal it. That'll be the first thing he does, he says, uh, along with a whole bunch of other things on day one. It's going to be a very busy day one for the Biden administration. But my contention is that the travel restrictions that Trump put on 13 countries, about five of them were Muslim-majority countries, actually has improved the risk picture, the threat picture, that people from those countries would enter the country on various kinds of visas, hiding terrorism activity and connections and intent because it's virtually impossible to do security vetting on individuals applying for those visas from those countries. In other words, you can't just call the Somali government or the uh, Libyan government, since there really isn't one in Libya, and ask for a background check and an intelligence share on people who would apply from those countries. Right now, under the Trump travel restrictions, you don't have to worry about that at all because you're letting virtually no one in from those countries. So if Biden reverses the travel restrictions, throws it out on day one, the country is going to be exposed to heightened risk and the threat that people from those countries will enter the United States. And what my piece for the investigative project on terrorism does is it lays out three emblematic cases where uh, terrorists were able to enter the country hiding their backgrounds prior to the travel restrictions and that we should be seeing a return to that circumstance 
in the very near future, apparently. Now, you know, when, if somebody does that, uh, do you have an example of something like that that has already happened, or, or what uh, you know how how uh, that could affect us, our, our public safety? Yeah, sure. I mean, just a, a couple of years ago, a Syrian refugee who was allowed in under the prior administration uh, from from Syria, which was in civil war, and even when it wasn't embroiled in civil war. The United States listed Syria as a state sponsor of terrorism, so it's not like we had great diplomatic and collaborative relationships with the Syrians to start with, uh, even less so now. Uh, so you you couldn't have checked the application very well of Mustafa Alawimer, who was 17 years old when he applied for refugee status. He was a, a, a refugee in Jordan at that time. And he was in, in extremely involved in jihadist activities and groups even then. And he just lied on his refugee application and nobody checked. I mean, there was nowhere to check and he gets in and starts to plot a, a bombing inside the United States. Luckily, the FBI got into him before he could do anything and arrested him in May of 2019. And he was indicted for plotting to bomb a church in North Pittsburgh. Uh, there are many cases like this. There are especially from places like Somalia. I talk about two convicted terrorists uh, in 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 my IPT case who would not have been able to enter the United States under the Trump administration. And also, we discuss a case of a Houthi rebel who fought in Yemen, took over the capital, helped take uh, over the capital, and got in on a student visa before the travel restrictions. And that individual is now indicted, his case is pending, for hiding his connections to the Houthi rebels, which are extremely anti-American, uh, and he was too, in his Facebook postings. Uh, talking about uh, killing Americans and killing Jews and that sort of thing, and luckily they uh, rolled him up as well. There are many other cases just like this. Uh, we should start to see more uh, people like this coming from those countries, and uh, hopefully none of them kill anyone. It's amazing. I, you know, it, it's really frightening because, I mean, the the American public is looking at a, at almost a two prong attack on 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 our public safety. They want to defund the police, our local police, while at the same time they are uh, opening up the borders to these kind of characters. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I'm not sure exactly what the plan is. I mean, I can surmise, but for crying out loud, don't these Democrats understand the predicament they are putting uh, the country in? Evidently not. Uh, really, what this is... The issue that they never speak of is vetting. The primary argument that you hear for getting rid of the Trump travel restrictions list is that it's racist, period. That's it. It's This is Islamophobic. It's uh, wrong. It's against the U.S. values. But the fact of the matter is that there are countries like Myanmar on that list and Libya and other countries that simply, Venezuela, that simply are never going to help us vet anybody, no matter how good our betting gets. So you have the option of gambling with your vetting, letting people in, or just shutting it all down. And, and Trump went, to, went that route. The Democrats are going to go the other route, and you know we'll have to live with the consequences. It, it you know, uh, again, it is uh, it is frightening because I remember uh, during the Obama years there was a Somali that went on a um, uh, shooting rage in uh, a rampage in, in um, at Ohio State University, uh, and um, you know I, it, it just seems like. Those kind of things just don't matter to these to 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 the Democrats to uh, to the liberal well to the media. I mean, absolutely, 
they're more they're more concerned about poli- about political correctness and not offending people than uh, in the reality and in the public safety. Well, yeah, I and mean, that's always been the you know the the balance that has to be struck between sanctuary and security and all that sort of thing. And the fact is, is that you know when Republicans are in office, they tilt more toward the security side of the spectrum and Democrats will tilt more toward the you know humanitarian values kind of you know granting asylum kind of side of the, the spectrum and the, you see the same thing in Europe uh, among the European nations the, the exact same partisan divide there they, they well, have let, yeah since, the parties since you're raising that that uh, that point, uh, hasn't France learned anything from from their experience, from what they're they're going through at this point? Do you think? Well, like I said, I mean, you still have this partisan debate raging in Europe, in Germany, and France, and places like Finland and Norway that have all experienced a lot of attacks by migrant refugees who came in over the border or were, were granted asylum or temporary protections of one sort or another. And there's just bloody mayhem from one end of the continent to the other. And you have what they always term in the media over there as right-wing parties against providing that sort of sanctuary to people from Muslim-majority countries where Sharia law is practiced and, uh, you know, people are steeped in the ideology of jihad. Uh, it's just the way it is, and you, you still just have attack after attack after attack, beheadings in the streets, shootings, gun battles, uh, you know, kind of security green zones set up around tourist attractions and, and all of that sort of thing, but the attacks continue. And so does the migration and the issuance and granting of asylum. Incredible. Uh, here at the closing part, um, we've only got a minute to go. Uh, tell the folks how they can follow you, where they can follow you. And um, let me ask you just like one, one last question. Uh, is it an issue of vetting, in your opinion? Is that what it, what it comes down to, that we need to vet these people a whole lot better before we, we even let them come into, into the United States? Yeah, the United States has always had a problem with vetting people who apply for a variety of visas. It's just uh, filled with problems and holes and uh, and capability issues, uh, sharing issues, and volume versus staffing to do it. Uh, President Trump, early in his administration, by executive order established an entity called the National Vetting Center. I don't know if people remember that. It did get established, and it's under the uh, CBP, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and it is still operating. Uh, and and it's, it's sort of at the beginning of development, and hopefully the Biden administration will keep that because mm-hmm. it's very bipartisan. It's very apolitical, the issue of vetting. Yeah, uh, we and, need. And so we we need to we need to, to to close up. Tell the folks where they can follow you, buddy. Sure. Well, for for one thing, this story that published this week can be found on the investigative project on terrorism. That's Steve Emerson's organization, a great organization, and proud to to be published by them. And then also at toddbensman.com, you can find all of my work on Homeland Security. Great. I appreciate it. We've been talking with uh, Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, have Have a good holiday season. Stay safe, buddy. You too. Thanks for having me. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio. And uh, we're here on Sunday at uh, the Trump rally in San Antonio. And uh, I want to ask uh, this gentleman uh, about uh, it's Thanksgiving time. And uh, what has he got to be thankful for in spite of all of this uh, 
this dissent, all of this confusion that is going on in politics? Well, so I guess the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of this so far hasn't personally affected me as closely as a bunch of others. You know, I still have my job. Things are going well at the office. I've got friends that have been laid off and stuff, and that I haven't had that go down. Um, so that's good. We, you know, I have had a couple family members get COVID, but so far they they recovered as well. And so it uh, 2020 hasn't been great, but it could have been a lot worse so far. I'm also glad that uh, so far everyone's mostly letting the process work itself out. You know, everybody's somewhat uh, anxious about the election results, but nobody started doing anything too crazy yet. And so I'm just I'm hopeful that uh, we'll be able to get this all sorted out and the process will work as usual. And, you know, if we don't like the results, we come back in two years or four years and, and go at it again. Thank you very much. Give me your name because we didn't get your name at the very beginning. Stephen Jordan. Stephen. Thank you very much, Stephen. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, we're here with Robert McKee at uh, the rally here on Sunday in front of the uh, Republican headquarters here in San Antonio. And uh, I wanted to ask Robert, just like I did a few moments ago with, with Mr. Jordan, uh, it is Thanksgiving season. Uh, it is, uh, but the year is 2020 and we've got so many things that have happened. What do you have to be thankful for at this time? I'm thankful for our President of the United States who has supported us and has been with us all the time. Now all of us need to support him and basically these, the Patriots and Thanksgiving, we're going to just have a big funeral because now they, they're saying that you have to have 30 people. It, it has to be a funeral. Well, we're not going to stand for that. We're going to go ahead and call every, every Thanksgiving a funeral now and we're going to support our president all the way. He's, he's the backbone of our country. Without him, we have nothing. If, if, if Biden wins, we lose everything. Yeah, for people like Beto who are going to be bringing, stopping our, our rights to have guns, this is this is uh, this is going to be a, a, a day to remember. Amen. Amen. Thank you very very much. All right, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, here at the uh, Trump rally on Sunday, uh, with uh, November the 22nd, here with the in front of the San Antonio Republican Party, and uh, we've got a couple of gentlemen who are here uh, at the rally, and I wanted to ask them about, uh, you know, it, it is it is Thanksgiving season, it is, but it's the year 2020, and we've had COVID, and we've had this election fraud that we are dealing with, what do you still have to be thankful for? Give me your first name, and then let's and then let me know what your what, what your thoughts are. Hi, I'm DB Stearns, and I'm uh, an election judge, and I'm precinct chair, and I'm thankful that God woke me up this morning. Everything else I can deal with because I know that He's got everything in charge. He's in charge. He's got a plan. I may not understand it. But I know he's in charge. So it doesn't matter what happens from that point. I'm going to do the best I can, and we're going to have a good time regardless of what happens. You got it. What about this whole idea that uh, they're limiting the number of people that can attend a uh, Thanksgiving dinner at your house? Well, I don't have Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, they don't limit the, the number of people as much for a funeral. So uh, this Thursday, I'm having a funeral for my pet turkey, <laughs> and y'all are all welcome to come over uh, and you know we're going to mourn his uh, passing yeah thank you very much <laughs> we're here with Dennis Cock and I wanted to ask the same thing of Denny Denny it's 2020 it is uh, we've been going through COVID and now we are going through this uh, election fraud issue what do you have to be thankful for at this at this this season in uh, Thanksgiving? Christ, family, and I'm I'm Dennis Calk, and Christ and family, like DB said, you got to take it to him. He can he can make a way where there is no way. Uh, you got to rely on your family and your friends. Everyone's getting together. Uh, Virtually, haha, and um, we're gonna we're gonna break a bird and, and pray together that uh, Christ gets us through 
this hiccup and gets us into a stronger, more unified, more Christian nation. You got it. Thanks a lot. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM radio, El Conservador. And uh, we're here at the rally uh, on Sunday, the 22nd, before Thanksgiving. And uh, we're talking to another person, uh, a gentleman named Patrick, no last name. And Patrick, I'm going to ask him the same thing I've asked others. Patrick, it's, <clears throat> it's uh, 2020 Thanksgiving season. And uh, we've been going through this COVID shutdown, as well as we are going through this whole through this whole election issue. What do you have to be thankful for uh, at Thanksgiving time right now? Well, I'm just thankful for many reasons. Uh, one being, we live in a country that we're able to uh, have freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of religion. I'm thankful. For for all of these, we're able to provide also for a family and have a job still, you know, thankful to live in the United States. You got it. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Yes, sir. Once again, my friends, we're here at the uh, rally, and I've got another gentleman that I'm going to chat with. His name is Josh. And uh, Josh, again, like I've been asking everybody else, it's 2020, Thanksgiving season. We've been going through COVID. We've been going through this nasty situation with the election. What do you still have to be thankful for as an American and uh, as an individual? Uh just that uh, you know we still have the freedoms that we do have and that we're able to be out here today um, exercising those freedoms um, that uh, you know, Lord Jesus Christ is here with us and uh, that uh, we have that ability to express that uh, our religion and you know our freedom of voice and speech and just thankful that we're here in the US and that we have what we have now We've been told that we cannot gather uh, for Thanksgiving time. Uh, what do you plan to do, if anything? Find somebody to gather with. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, Thanksgiving, it's, you know, it's, it's a matter of uh, principle, for one. You know, it's, we have the freedom to assemble. And if I choose to assemble with my loved ones or friends, I'm going to do so. I, uh, you know... Of course, I don't want to get in trouble, but if that's what it comes to. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And that was our man on the street interviews uh, at the uh, rally on Sunday, the 22nd, uh, November the 22nd, uh, here in San Antonio, the pro Trump rally. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer. Once again, my friends, thank you for listening to us today. I really, really appreciate the support, the uh, uh, the uh, all of the love that you send our way. We really, really appreciate it. We hope that you will continue to uh, support the El Conservador show uh, and uh, that you will uh, tell your friends about it because we need to uh, spread the word. We need to we need your support. I don't know, my friends. I really don't know what the future has, uh, holds for us. Uh, when I was Tea Party president under the uh, Obama administration, uh, I got audited. I got audited tremendously for, for two years. It was absolute hell. Uh, and that was uh, during that period when, uh, when the Obama administration weaponized the, um, the IRS and they went, uh, they went after us. Um, this uh, this coming this administration should it take take root, the Biden administration, the Biden Harris administration. Uh, I do. I, I worry to a certain to a, to a to a large degree as to how they are going to uh, react and respond, particularly my friends, particularly to those of us who are bloggers, writers, uh, who have put out books, those of us who uh, are small fish. Uh, that they can easily go after to uh, to uh, make examples of. Uh, I do. I, I am concerned about what is going to happen on that aspect of it. So, uh, uh, you know, the best. Like I say, I, I'm going to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Uh, lots of prayers. Lots of prayers. Uh, thank you once again, my friends, for for being with us today. Let me uh, again affirm to you 
that the best way to combat national federal tyranny is the grassroots, my friends. Everything, all politics is local. All politics is local. What we need to do, my friends, we need to to take control of City Hall. We need to take control of the county courthouse. We need to take control of, uh, of the local sheriffs. We need to take care of, we need to take control of all the things that are local. We need to get out and vote in greater numbers, my friends, than 14%. Than 14% of the electorate. We need much more than that. Much more than that. That, you know, 14% is how many people is is the percentage of the voter uh, electorate that voted in the municipal election here in San Antonio. And we lost. So that tells you that less than 7% of the people that voted were, were conservatives. That's what that tells you. We, we, this is un, that is, is, is ridiculous. We, we must get out. Because the defense, my friends, the defense of freedom and liberty, it starts at the local level. Should the national uh, uh, government start to become tyrannical, it is the, uh, the states. We need the states to step up and defend the Constitution and our freedoms, my friends. It becomes incumbent that they do it. And if they're going to do it, it, it becomes very, very important that, they, that the right people are, are uh, in the positions to defend us, my friends. So once again, my friends, let's get out there. Local, local, local politics. We've got to, we've got to, to, to win local races. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, my friends. Thank you for being with us again. Tune in again next week for the El Conservador Show with George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer.